Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. I'm John from Confidential Tax and Business Services, and you're listening to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. John, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Do you want to just give us an overview of your business, where you're based, um, your team structure, both locally and offshore, um, and how long um, you've been on this journey? Yeah, uh, our business is located in uh, north north side of Brisbane, inner city. Um, we have 15 onshore staff members and we have five offshore staff members. So our primary business is confidential tax and business services. And since early 2019, um, post um, uh, going to the conference in, in the Philippines, we decided to set up our secondary business, which is My Bookkeeping Hero. So it's been up for about 12 months. Excellent. That sounds exciting. Uh, One of my next question I was going to ask you, which we can come back to a bit of that, is what was the main driver for wanting to set up a bookkeeping business? What obviously we spoke about it at that event, but what was the main driver and benefit to your clients and reason for doing that? Well, we found that we we were getting a lot of um, a lot of interesting clients in terms of workload, workload, which wasn't at the level that we had our staff members. So we had a, people calling us wanting to know, how do I do this in zero? How do I do this in payroll? And, you know, that's something we can obviously accommodate, but you can never charge a client $160, $200, $230 an hour to, to answer those questions. Um, so we, we were taking a bit of a hit on having to, to deal with that. And I thought, you know, it would be good to have the facility to at least do this lower level work. And to be honest, it sort of steamrolled from that point. Um, from the point of deciding to do it, we, I don't know what it was just in the air, but we started to get more queries about bookkeeping and whether we knew bookkeepers and the services. And it sort of just went on from that point. So we almost had a business before we set one up. That's that's awesome. That's really good. So, do you um, deal with a specific niche within within the business, or do you deal with are you a generalist? Um, tell us a little bit about the clients that you serve. We we deal with um, this is something we're trying to steer away from. Another strategic sort of plan of ours. That uh, up until this point, I can honestly say we've sort of taken anyone and everyone on board. Um, that has, in retrospect, has sort of hurt us in certain areas where we need to be vetting our clients a lot more heavily, especially on the tax side of things. Now, on the bookkeeping side of things, we've taken the approach of, um, you know, it's sort of the, the old the old thing. If you were setting up a practice now, how would it look? And that's the approach that we took on the bookkeeping side. So we've set up the bookkeeping practice how we've wanted it to, and star, uh, um, clients in particular are moulding to us rather than us moulding to them. So if they're not on the right accounting platform, well, they change to the right accounting platform. If they're not the right client for us, uh, we simply don't take them on board. Um, thing, things along those lines. We have prepayments. We've you know we've really sort of set it how we want to run the business and set it up from scratch how we want it to be run. Yeah, excellent. So tell me a little bit about your 
story of setting up your offshore team, what were the main motivations behind doing this? I know you've been a client of ours for 20 months, so almost coming up to two years um, at the end of April. So what was the main motivation and the story behind um, getting that team up and running and, and starting an offshore and global team? Yeah, originally I learned about offshoring more in depth when I went to a, um, a, a breakfast on behalf of one of the other directors and uh, the presentation there was about the Philippines. It wasn't Toa. Um, and I came away from it thinking we, we are getting left behind and it was simple as that. And it was more fear, to be honest, of just saying, you know, I felt that there was this widespread action being done by a lot of businesses, including accounting firms, and we were just getting left behind in, in this race. Um, so that was the main sort of catalyst. But from that point, it actually took probably about – it was over 12 months from that point to have it enacted. Um, we took the process fairly slow in sort of in sort of enacting it, but the, the main the main motivator, I guess, was within the practice itself. We found ourselves getting very very busy, but it wasn't the sort of work that you want. It was sort of a lot of almost like white noise. You know, we're doing the same work that we'd always do, but now we're getting more queries, more phone calls, uh, more ATO checks, more things along those lines. So the work to be done for the same level of revenue was getting higher. And we thought, well, something has to change here. Something has to break. We either got to work harder ourselves and more hours We've either got to um, uh, let our service standards drop, which wasn't appealing, or, you know, we're going to have to look at something else. So combined with the fact of going to the breakfast during that seminar, that's sort of how it came about. Excellent. So how did you go about setting this team up? So you obviously, your partner heard it at a breakfast. Um, the idea sounded great. How did you find us? What was the onboarding process? Um, how long did it take? So what? tell us a little bit about, I suppose, yeah, once you've heard it and thought, yep, this can work for us, what you did. Well, what we did from that point is I went to the other directors. We have a three-director practice, and I spoke to them and said, look, this is this is something we need to look at very seriously. Um, this is what I know about it. And only by chance, maybe a week or two later, um, a TOA rep came in and we had a meeting with them, and we were open to it at that point because of, uh, of where we were at. Um, and from that point, it took us about sort of 12 months, even at that point. Um, and the reason it took us longer than we would would have liked is we allowed ourselves to get to get bogged down in, in the day to day. Um, sometimes a three director practice, um, although it's not that many, you know, you can sort of it does move decision wise a little bit more slowly. Um, uh, that's the reason why it took us a little bit longer. And as well as part of our research is we wanted to make the, the move once and we wanted to do it right. So in retrospect, it took us longer than we, we did the right things. It just took us probably two or three times the amount of time that it probably should have. Excellent. So for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them to enable them to move a little quicker than you did? Um, and what would be the three most critical things that you would spend your time on if you were to do it again? Yeah, so I would, in terms of the preparation, I would do almost what we did then. We just would do it quicker. So what we did is we spoke to someone else within uh, within the offshoring business, one of your clients actually, 
um, and we just they were they were really good. We found everyone that we spoke to within the Toa umbrella to be extremely helpful, um, very generous with their time, um, and. Uh, for example, we just we asked them bluntly. He said, you know, is there any pushback from staff members and clients? And having those individuals, those businesses go through it before we did, and they were sort of more the trailblazers, uh, they did have a few horror stories actually that we sort of um, that we we learned from. So that was that was very good. Um, I would probably one thing I would I would definitely spend time on is do a strategic plan. Um, as in where you want to go and why. Um, we probably dabbled our feet in it a little bit to sort of say, look, let's just get our foot in the door. But that was at the expense of maybe not knowing where we would be 12, 24, 36 months down the track. Um, the reason I'd probably spend time on doing a strategic plan is it allows you to be honest with your onshore staff members about what the process is how it's going to develop, how it's going to look like, and also the benefits to them. So we did do that originally. We probably just did it more in the immediate sense rather than sort of down the track. Um, in terms of the strategic plan, other than that, um, I just think it's important to spend time getting your staff members on board and getting also the directorship on board as well. So that's an important aspect. Excellent. So if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value that your offshore team has provided on in close to that, you know, two years you've been on the journey, what would it be? Well, you know, one thing that comes to mind actually is a bit unexpected because we originally started with two administrative staff members and we went in the process of trying to develop our, our bookkeeping um, division we went in the sense of saying, look, we were going to be, we were tossing up whether we we're going to brand it differently or do this and that. And we um, uh, we decided to actually brand it differently at that point. Now, our admin staff members, we didn't know when we started talking to them and involving them in the process, uh, we didn't know at that point that one of our admin staff members in particular had studied graphic design and um she was extremely integral in doing all our branding and all our website design and everything. So um, I guess it was a bit of a bonus for us that we'd hired the right person and that was an unexpected benefit. Um, but the other thing is what we've achieved is we've also allowed our onshore staff members to, to move on to probably other other parts of their work. So when we, when we originally discussed it with them, we said, look, this is the honest presentation for you that it'll allow you to do more varied work because some of the more repetitive processes will be done offshore and they were open to that and that's been a good benefit for us as well because it's helped us retain staff members in our in our onshore team as well. Yeah excellent so when you're out in, in the accounting community um, talking to other accountants what's the main perceptions that you're hearing these days about um, having an offshore team when you raise we've we've got an offshore team we've got you know five people over in the philippines what are the perceptions that they say to you and, and what surprised you the most um easily easily the number one and this is what we've probably dealt with internally before we went it is that uh, went in the um down that path is um was saying we're going to get resistance from our clients in relation to it um, that was easily the, the number one sort of feedback that we hear even now and that we had to deal with at the time. Um, now, 
to say that's a complete myth would be, I think, an understatement. Um, two years down the track, we've never had, heard a peep from any clients. Clients simply don't care. And the ones that we do speak to about it, our, our discussions with them are fairly simple in the sense that it usually ends with us saying, you would be crazy not to do it yourself. Um, and I would say in, instead of more, we've had more intrigue than resistance from all of our clients. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. So the year ahead, what is your plan for your offshore team? And, and what I suppose, how do you plan to keep growing the team, their capability, and ultimately their performance? We've, in the next sort of like 12 months, we've decided to um, have an offshoring, I guess, division within the practice itself, um, headed by, my, by myself. Now, what we what we plan on doing there is to to invest a lot in terms of um, hiring and and um, procedures, etc., etc. Because losing a few staff members here over the past twelve months, just through natural attrition, we're finding it more difficult to get people, and certainly more difficult to get the people at an appropriate sort of salary level as well. So we thought, look, we we want to expand our services to be uh, tax wise. Uh, have an offshore team in that sense. So in the next 12 months for us is to expand our bookkeeping division definitely and to expand, I guess, the offshore team to incorporate um, tax services as well, which we don't have at the moment. We just have an SMSF accountant, uh, but we want to expand that tax division. Yeah, excellent. So at the moment you're running a ratio of, you know, five team members in your global Philippines team and 15 locally. Where do you see that longer term percentage wise? Do you see that being equal, you know, with your global team and your onshore team? Do you see that your onshore team's running more or less? Or where do you really see that sit? I would expect it within the sort of next two years. I'd hope it to be probably 50 50. That primarily uh, we've got support overseas in terms of the, for the accountants onshore. Um, we have our bookkeeping division, which um, to disclose with our bookkeeping division, although we've been up and running for a little while, we haven't yet really pushed it. And that's sort of yet to come in the next couple of months. And we've, we've got to do a big branding and we've got to um, do a big marketing push on that front. But to be sort of where we are now, making money and not really having pushed it is, is pretty incredible. Um, so we're going to have our bookkeeping division as well. And we're going to have our um, have our tax accountants as well. So I would say about 50-50. Excellent. So with um, anyone that hasn't started this journey yet and you're looking at managing an offshore team, what would be the top recommendations that you would recommend to someone listening to this podcast on the things to do to make managing an offshore team a success? Treat your offshore team exactly how you treat your onshore team. They're simply an extension of your practice. Um, they're just not not local. Um, we tell all of our people, even in our interview stage, we say even though in a technical sense you are employed by TOA, we'd like you in your mind to say that you're employed by um, confidential tax and business services. So we make sure we make them feel welcome. They all get a, a shirt with their name on it. Um, they all get a welcome pack from us. Um, and we do it probably more, I wouldn't say exactly like we do our onshore members, it's probably more personal. 
So we do have, you know, pictures of the staff members that we send over to them and, and things along those lines. So but everything our, our onshore staff members get, our offshore staff members get as well. So if there's birthday cakes or if we stop for Melbourne Cup or lunches to celebrate something, they do get that as well, definitely. Um, and that, that way they feel part of part of the team. Um, we probably do go over and over and above in a few circumstances as well that um, uh, we do want them to bond as a team over there. So we do, in addition to other things, we give them a, a bonding budget every month. They can they can spend that how they see fit, just as long as all the PH team is involved over there in what they do. That's some great, yeah, it's some really good advice there. So a lot of questions that I get asked, and I know that, um, and I ask of our clients is, how do you gauge success of the offshore team? So what KPIs do you use to measure their success? Is it similar to what you use for your local team? Is it a different types of KPIs and metrics? So how do you gauge success? We gauge it exactly how we would onshore. There's no difference in that sense. Um, our reviews that we have, our pay reviews, et cetera, we, we, we have them in the same context as our onshore team. Um, the only thing I'd say is probably the challenges with an offshore team are slightly different um, just culturally um, that we've sort of encountered, but certainly the metrics and the, the process is still the same. Yeah, excellent. How has offshoring benefited your clients? Uh, certainly, well, it's certainly benefited the practice, but how it's benefited our clients is some of the, um, I would just say we have less things falling through the cracks. So all these little follow-up things that we, we we need to do with our clients, all these um, um, making sure they've paid on time and things like that, which in the past we've probably said we don't have time. It's the client's responsibility. Now we can have that capacity for someone to check those things. And now we have much more appreciative client base who's saying, oh, look, thanks very much for that. You've made me avoid a fee and, you know, X, Y, Z. So um, it's been much better in that sense to give it a more complete service. And really, I guess our SMSF division, we've always had a, some capacity problems, getting things out within a reasonable time and, and certainly getting everything complete within the financial year. And that has been largely sorted as well. Now we have that additional, additional capacity, so. Excellent. Now has offshoring contributed to giving you personally more time back and the team members within your local team that's in Brisbane? Um, I would say at this point, um, I guess the rewards for ourselves anyway are probably yet to come. Um, what we, the structure that we want offshore is we want at least two people doing the same role. So if we lose one, we do have that capacity where they sort of train each other from that point, and it does require um, a little bit less input from ourselves. Um, but certainly the the onshore team, it's benefited them in the sense that they're doing a little bit higher level work and the accounting team as well, even things like work papers and that, a lot of the times they don't have to prepare them themselves. Um, they can get the offshore. So they can focus more on client client matters and, and more high level work. But in terms of work-life balance, we're hoping that's that's a plan of ours. That's probably yet to come in the next sort of like 12, 12 months. Excellent. So it's really increased capacity at the moment to be able to deliver work, but then the aim is to obviously give you back more time. Is that Excellent. a summary of that? Yep. 
Excellent. How's offshoring, um, has it had an effect on your average hourly rate, if that's one of the KPIs you measure, or, or overall profit to the firm yet? Uh, profit to the firm, yes, because what originally what happened with the two admin staff members that we got, um, uh, we've, we, we had someone in onshore and we had them part-time and we decided we we spoke to the current um, receptionists of the administrative staff members and we said look um you know this person's moving on you i'm going to give you girls a choice and we gave them a choice and said we can replace this member now onshore or we can get two people offshore and it was really that two for one that's sort of how the cost worked out in terms of how it played out at that point and really what we we're talking about is we we're saying and sorry we we're going from one part-time staff member to two full-time we explained the benefits of them of that and the capacity that it would generate and they went for it at that point um now in terms of the profitability of the firm from that point we're giving a better service we don't tend to lose clients which i do attribute to that more complete service that we're giving and more importantly now we have time to have structured um, whip clear outs and our billings are much more on time. Our debtors are so, a, a lot better than what they were. And I put that down to um, the capacity that um, offshoring has, has allowed us to do those things now, uh, certainly more completely. Excellent. I'm going to ask you a bit of a, um, a few personal and business um, questions now. What one bit of advice would you give your younger self from a business point of view? <laughs> Uh, that you don't know everything, I guess. So just to 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 really listen to those around you and and um uh yeah to 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 listen to those around you as well. I'd say that I need to more in my my professional life to be at the forefront of certain aspects, not just offshoring, but utilization of technology, being a more progressive practice in that approach. I think is 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 much more beneficial for your overall. Excellent. So what bit of advice would you give your younger self from a personal side? Probably to structure your practice around your personal goals rather than maybe the other way. Like it just it makes more sense to structure your practice around your personal personal wants. So if you if you want to have more time at home, well, that's something that isn't just going to come out of thin air. You need to you need to structure that. Um, and I probably would have liked to have known that a little bit a while ago. Excellent. So you've learned that now, and you're you're implementing that. I, I have time will tell, but yeah, I have learned it now. Yeah. Excellent. What's the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team, and is it true? Yeah, I think I've already answered it. It's it's the 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 myth of um, you're going to get all this resistance from clients. And I thought to myself, we were speaking internally here before we went uh, went down that path. And one thing we're getting the girls overseas to do now is we're getting them to call debtors and things like that. Now they're excited to do it. They want to do it. Um, and you know, we have one of the directors here saying, oh, um, you know, but they have a bit of an accent. Number one, they speak perfect English. And number two, we being such a multicultural society in Australia anyway, we have probably three or four staff members here which have a lot more thicker accents than the girls over there. So I just didn't see it to be a problem. So um, and as as well, just seeing if 
if clients found out that's what we're doing, um, it would be, you know, a, a problem for the firm and we've been open about it. We've been not hiding anything and it's never been a problem. Yeah, excellent. So for someone looking to grow their accounting business and team, what's the best piece of advice that you um, have heard and that they could implement? Um, implement? Well, when, when I went to the, um, the, the toll conference in the Philippines, and that's the first time I've ever sat in a conference, and, you know, some of these conferences can be a little bit the same, and I've, I've written down my goals for the next 12 months, and it's a, I found my sheet of paper just the other day, and it's the first time I could honestly say I fast forward and I've achieved everything that I wanted to in that 12 months. That's awesome. Um, and that didn't come easily and it didn't come naturally. So I had to sit down and um, really lay out a, um, a procedure and goals and milestones, just like it, often as accountants, what we do is we're, we, we know what to tell other people. We just don't do it ourselves. And I found that to be extremely true. So um, we are good at telling other people what to do. And I thought, you know what, if I was advising myself, this is what I'd tell myself. And instead of just making excuses, I decided to follow it. And, and yeah, the, the proof's in the pudding. Congratulations. That's, um, that's great. That's very good. So I'm going to wrap up the uh, podcast today with just a quick five in five question. So just the first thing that comes through to your head. Um, so what cloud software does your firm use? Uh, we use Myob Account Right, which we're wanting to steer clear of, and we're wanting to move over to zero. But um, that's what we use, Myob Account Right, uh, Account Enterprise. Sorry. And your favourite app on your mobile phone, or that you use on a daily basis? What What is that? Uh, I would say it's Loom. Um, so this is something that I got from from Toll Conference. Um, it's fantastic. It's simply a screen. Uh, Loom is a, like a screen capture, um, so you can just double click on something. Uh, speak in your microphone, and this is good for when clients go, hey, um, how do I do this in zero or how do I do that? Instead of trying to write out a procedure or write a big email, you just say, uh, you know, hey, David, just click on here, go down to here, and just make sure this box is ticked. There you go. Send them a link, and you're done in 30 seconds. Awesome. It is a good tool. It's a very good tool. What is your must-read each week? <laughs> I don't have a must read each week, just something non, non-business, non non-work related. I think it's important not to get sort of wrapped up in that life and and have something to sort of outside to wind down with, just whatever that is. Excellent. Favourite social media channel? Uh, probably Facebook still, still a bit old school. I know that's not really, you know, the, the most current one. Most people are into Instagram and stuff, but, yeah, probably Facebook. Excellent. And your favourite KPI within the business? Um, for myself, days work from home per week. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. That's very good. So for any of our listeners that want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to be able to reach out to you? Uh, email's fine uh, and LinkedIn. So just John Gellis in, on LinkedIn and email is uh, uh, J-O-H-N-G at ctbs.net.au. Excellent. We'll put all those details in the show notes as well for anyone. So thank you very much for um, all of the knowledge that you've imparted with us today, John. There's there's so many 
um, little nuggets within everything that you've covered off. So I really appreciate your time and, and sharing your journey um, with our listeners. Excellent. It's been a pleasure. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. And have a great day.